0: Should every woman learn how to wrestle? How do you build a storyline on brutality? How far can you push things before the cops get involved? Find out today in the story of Cora Livingston, part three. Crazy territory stories, double crosses and swerves. Pro-wrestling history nerds. You did it. You pressed the button, you found the place. It's not so much a place... Physically, I mean, it was once upon a time because I'm here, but I may not be here now. I might be somewhere else by the time you're listening to this. I don't know how the future works or what the future holds. What am I talking about? What am I doing? What's even going on? My name is Nick Gossard. I am a pro wrestling booker. I am a pro wrestling promoter. I am a pro wrestling ring announcer. But more importantly for today, I am a pro wrestling historian. And I am here with my co-host. You may have seen her on AW Dark. Tokyo Joshi Pro Wrestling, Women of Wrestling, and uh, some little dumb show in Denver, I don't know, I don't follow you on social media, but anyway, it's Heidi Howitzer, how are you?
1: Oh, I'm just uh, dandy, I, you may have heard of me, you may have seen me, or you may have not done either of those things, and if that's the case, you might be more excited to listen to this podcast
0: anything is possible well we are back to continue our conversation continue the deep dive into the life the times the world the experiences the career of cora livingston women's wrestling champion of the early 1900s a person that almost nobody had heard of when i bring her up conversationally it's a somebody who is so cool so important for her time was a huge star in wrestling in her day this is during the time of gotch and hackenschmidt and jenkins and it provides a different context to sports at that time in that era because she's a woman star athlete in the early 1900s
1: yeah which is phenomenal how many uh, women star athletes do you really get that much attention on now? Like, I mean, yes, a decent amount, but it seems like there was a huge gap there for a while. So I'm not really sure what happened between Cora Livingston in the last, you know, five five to ten years in America. But here we are.
0: Well, and that's something we have discussed because, and also just want to point out that the descriptor of this episode is Cora Livingston Part Three. So that implies there is parts one and two. Part one, we went over kind of who Cora was, where does she come from, how did she get into the world of wrestling. Part two was about the solidification, the crystallization of who she was as a character, how she would draw money, how she would run kind of the Cora Livingston wrestling product to ensure that it was hot, it drew tickets, it would get press, it would piss people off.
1: This bitch was wild, y'all. Just saying. I highly recommend if you are hopping in now, uh, press the pause button and
0: rewind. And yeah, we've talked about how people don't know about her because there is no financial way to sell her on the lineage of pretty much any modern wrestling product. She predated anything that could be tied to the NWA, to the AWA, to wcw to wwe no lineage connects to where she was so therefore there is no financial incentive to include her in any sort of company history when the company presents wrestling history in the way that benefits them so which is uh, uh,
1: a real travesty where's uh, where's our cora livingston merch
0: I'm half shocked there isn't something like on Redbubble. I mean, there's... Yeah. They have every obscure everything on there. So the fact that probably... Not probably, obscure enough. <laughs> yeah, it could probably because the greatest archive of articles and photos and images of her on Earth probably exists in this hard drive in front of me at the moment. So hopefully by presenting this in-depth biography of Cora Livingston because there is no book about her, there is no great biography about her, there's no a biography about her. It's literally, she's always half a chapter, half a page in a survey course on women's wrestling, barely ever mentioned and just wrestling as a whole. So I'm really glad we get to shine light on this amazing person, this important person, this big star from back in the day.
1: No, it's great. I, again, I, uh, I think all of the Cora Livingston information we have is just living in your brain now, Nick.
0: Which is a terrible Thank place Cora to Livingston live, Livingston. I assure you.
1: That Yeah, terrible place, terrible existence in general, but <laughs> here we are.
0: And where we left off last time was with that amazing article that amazing segment where a sports writer from washington dc went to boston saw cora livingston was wrestling went in and saw that Hey, she's wrestling the same person using a different name that she did in D.C. She's doing the same match in Boston that she did in D.C. She's doing the same dirty tactics during the comeback. She is putting the heat in the same places. Obviously not the terms that the sports writer was using in 1908. She's working the loop and she's working the marks. And that's exactly what this writer was pointing out that... She was just blatantly doing the same act town to town to town with the only difference being saying the exact same person I wrestled last week as Miss Morton is now Miss Dubois or whatever the fuck it was. And (laughs) and that's the only difference. It's now instead of I am person X from this town because it always has to be a hometown hero against the heel champ it's now person Y from that town because it has to be a hometown hero to get the heat from the champ. So it's brilliant wrestling, it's brilliant marketing, it's a great way for someone to sell tickets and make money in kind of a minority sport, women being a minority sport at the time, and trying to maximize the ticket value, the ticket pricing, the gate, all of the above, and making money, and getting notoriety, because, again, if you were reading the sports papers nationwide, her name would pop up on the regular.
1: Well, she was clearly doing something right. And or the promoter was doing something right.
0: Well, she would often tour with burlesque troops. That's what we talked about last time, is how, you know, when you went to see a Cora Livingston match, you didn't just go see Cora Livingston. Or a wrestling card headlined by Cora Livingston. These were vaudeville shows. These were burlesque hall shows. So it would be a comedian and a short play and a musical number and a juggler and, I don't know, somebody in a bear costume wrestling somebody in a kangaroo costume. Probably not. That's but right, I'm...
1: folks. Much better than 12-match cards.
0: Indeed. So you would have this just layered variety show that would end with a women's wrestling match that would almost end certainly end in brutal violence to make everybody super fired up and pissed off so they would come back and see it again the next night because you know what it could be the same comedian the same play the same musical number but when you have a psychopath women's champion who got disqualified for strangling somebody in the match well guess what you want to come back and see if this time the hometown woman wrestler can beat cora livingston in a to a finish match
1: So that's how I start putting butts in seats.
0: Exactly. That'll finally be what turns you into a draw.
1: (laughs) That's the secret, folks. Wrestling like an asshole and uh, choking people out. Pulling hair.
0: So we're going to pick up an article that I I feel like you'll appreciate from the... April 22nd, 1908, Evening Star featured an article with Cora Livingston expressing that all women should take up wrestling for fitness. Quote, I think that wrestling is one of the finest exercises for women. It develops the muscles as the as they should be developed. At the end of a course of lessons in wrestling, any woman would have reason to be proud of her arms and shoulders.
1: She's not wrong. You know, it's not all of the... Terrible huge amounts of cardio and the powerlifting training and the strongman training and the other things I've immersed myself into that uh, give me a body that looks like I spend slightly less time less time on the couch. It's it's just the wrestling
0: and you it. and you just started doing Brazilian jiu-jitsu. So... I sure
1: as shit did. My legs feel like shit.
0: Yep, and as anybody who does actual wrestling, actual jujitsu, judo, that type of thing, because keep in mind, this is a time where catch as catch can was presented more as a legitimate wrestling match as opposed to what we see presented today. And when you are grappling, even if it's a predetermined worked outcome, grappling is an incredibly large amount of exerted energy, calories burned, and cardio exercise. So yeah, I do actually recommend that women go out and learn jujitsu judo wrestling as a not just for self-defense but for fitness because there's really not a lot like it as far as the impact on the body
1: yeah it's fun guys and you get real life human uh contact which is also not bad if you are a wrestler or wrestling fan was that too mean was that too mean for our fans nick
0: And a bit that I found interesting in the article was the idea in 1908 of a woman gaining weight to make her healthier and more attractive. Cora stated Uh, that, quote,
1: Different times, guys. We love to see it.
0: She said that, quote, Three years ago, I only weighed 110 pounds. Now I tip the scale at 130, and I never felt better in my life.
1: Oh, boy. We don't want to know what I tip the scale at, then. If that's tipping, I'm, I'm
0: flipping scales. And this is one of those her heart was in the right place kind of quotes because the newark star eagle ran the same article with a headline quote from her when i see a fat woman i feel like shouting champion woman wrestler says telling her sex sport is one of the secrets of beauty and that's telling her sex not a sex sport those are two different things two different podcasts but yes she's pretty much saying hey women two wrestling is secrets of too yeah uh, Wrestling is one of the secrets to my beauty routine, and you should do it as well.
1: It is, because you feel terrible about yourself anytime you see pictures or video. And, uh, you know, it's real good for your, uh, not self-esteem, but great for working on your self-image.
0: From the May 7th, 1908, Buffalo Morning Express announced Livingston returning to the Lafayette Theater. We've seen her there a lot. On May 8th, the Buffalo Inquirer with, quote, Cora Livingston will meet Mae Barth, who defeated Lottie Oliver of Lancaster Wednesday evening. Last night, Cora Livingston and Lou Harris went on, but Harris outlasted Livingston for the $25. Implying that yet again, Cora is doing those time limit gimmick matches, challenge matches, whether those are legitimate or completely staged somewhere in the middle, who can say, But that's always been the format of wrestling in the theater and burlesque exhibition halls like this. And like we discussed last time, who knows how much of that $25 went to the actual wrestler or just went back to the house. Because in those days, that was a lot of money. I actually did spend some time researching inflation. And the furthest back I could really calculate it was 1913. So it's close and it might even be a couple dollars more in the direction of value. But $25 was about $750 today.
1: What the fuck? (laughs) Oh, that's nervous laughter.
0: (laughs) Yeah, so $25 for Outlasting, that was a significant amount of money. And then they would come back for a $50 one, and that's $1,500.
1: Hot diggity damn. I was... uh
0: flabbergasted because that's how I felt when I, flab- I was
1: going to say, I was going to say born at the wrong time, but like women's rights, but also like it's 2023 and ugh, women's
0: rights. And it's also, it's also comforting to know that in over a century wrestling paydays have not changed that much without inflation. I, oh
1: my God. I was about to make that exact same joke a minute ago before you uh, discussed the inflation number. <laughs> I was like, that's still a good payday for most wrestling companies. <laughs> Here we
0: are, and May Barth, according to the Enquirer, the next day didn't show up, so Cora faced off against May Morgan of Cleveland and won in seven minutes. Quote, However, after the match with Miss Harris, there was quite a verbal mix-up, with the result that Miss Harris offered to throw her well-known rival in a finish match. The theater could not put on one of that length, but they were signed for a second bout tonight. The limit to be twenty minutes. So, again, they come up with a fantastic, hey, everyone, come back later and buy another ticket tactic.
1: It's perfect. It's great.
0: Nothing can go wrong
1: with that. I actually love that. And I also
0: love that in 1908, they were still having problems with (laughs) no-shows.
1: Oh, she had car trouble.
0: June 4th, New York Sun. Cora was back in New York at Hammerstein's Roof Garden. And on the 6th, the New York Evening World announced her facing challengers at the Hammerstein Roof Garden, along with performances by Alexia, the Franco-Russian dancer and pantomimist, and the Four Fords, the world's greatest family of dancers, and Julian Eltring, female impersonator. So keep in mind, we're having drag performances with pro wrestling in 1908, and lunatics didn't feel the need to show up and cause problems.
1: Oh, we've we've just progressed so much as a country.
0: Yeah, it's one of those things where I truly love how by doing this podcast, by doing this research, you go back and you find that nothing new is new. It's you'll find intergender wrestling. You'll find women's wrestling. You'll find drag performances. You'll find comedy matches. You'll find all the silly shit that crusty old people complain about in wrestling today and find out that it's a hundred to hundred and fifty years old as a popular concept.
1: You hear that, guys? None of your opinions are new. Go fuck yourself. I mean, thank you for listening.
0: The Salt Lake Herald on June 28th covered the shocking roughness of women's wrestling, especially when Cora was in the ring. Quote, This show was peculiar in having its star performer for its brutal villain and depending for success upon the hissing at its climax a.k.a. somebody just found out that heat draws dollars. Hell yeah. So, yeah, so we are seeing people in the press being like, oh, my goodness, like, how are they trying to run a, a wrestling show with a, not just a woman champion, but a woman champion who's a total piece of shit in the ring? How on earth could this make money, despite, again, Evan Strangler Lewis doing that as the world champion just a couple decades ago?
1: I have no insightful commentary on that part.
0: <laughs> <laughs> That's what happens when you work face too often.
1: It's, it's not on purpose. The people just like me, all right?
0: I don't get it, it either. It
1: is what it is. I know.
0: I am charming. From the June 28th Kansas City star with the same take on it, quote, appreciate sports among the spectators applauded the wrestling while most of the women gasped to see its brutality real and feigned and some of them joined many of the men in hissing heartily so again (laughs) they're just being like oh my god even the women were horrified to see a woman being so violent i don't know why that wouldn't just be automatic hero worship
1: i like like so don't get me wrong i know like boo hiss is like a phrase a, a turn of phrase that's been around for a very long time right but but when you think about it i don't think anyone in the crowd is like nor like these days is audibly hissing like i now i have to wonder like in the 1900s where people just going around making fucking cat noises when they were displeased with stuff
0: well it's it's like the i, I would love to hear recordings if there were yeah. such a thing. Because it's like the same thing when I read the articles about the things the crowd was yelling, where it's like, clever move, don't give in.
1: (laughs) I mean, don't give in is fine. But calling a move clever is like,
0: (laughs) yeah, it's not really something that's. Or like one time I found it was from an English paper and they were talking about a match and somebody yelled, you know, because the match had gone so long, it's like, don't time it with your clock, use a calendar. Which is going to be my favorite <laughs> heckle for the for the rest of my life, from the July Fourteenth Brooklyn Citizen. Cora set to meet Mae Harris, aka Texas Mammy, the Texas Boxy Champion,
1: at oh, a charity poor sh-
0: fucking name, by the way. At a charity show for quote destitute crippled children. I mean, if, you, if, if anybody's going to have a tough time of it, I guess it would be them.
1: <laughs> they deserve it. Clap, 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 clap. The, the show, not the... <laughs> Heidi <laughs> Howitzer, hater of
0: destitute, crippled children, I, supports I, their like suffering. We just, said
1: I always, we just said I don't know what heel work is because I always work face, so I'm trying to do a a hard pivot.
0: Here we go. Boxers James J. Corbett, Tom Sharkey, Kid McCoy, wrestlers Ernst Rober, John Pining, and Tom Jenkins were also set to appear. Yep, Tom Jenkins was gonna be there. He was, you know, you have to keep in mind this is this is nineteen oh eight and he is just half a step behind Gotch as far as being the biggest wrestling star in America. Though other articles about this show, like the War and Times Mirror, claimed that Cora was to join a famous chorus girls group for a baseball game as part of the charity show. That was group. Yeah, that's something I actually found a lot where they would do these these charity shows and it would be like athletes and other entertainers getting together and it would be like the chorus girl baseball team versus the the lady you know musicians baseball team and like it was just such a weird setup and I'm like so you're having everybody who has their own showbiz strength playing a charity baseball game this is very strange but hey what do I know about the world of 1908
1: a lot more than a lot of people.
0: From the Pittsburgh Daily Post on September 22nd, woman wrestler coming here, announcing Cora arriving in the city to do her challenge matches. She is, like in most cases, advertised as being only 19 years old, which is hopefully was to impress people with her youth and ability, not to lure in pervert money at the box office for the Academy Theater.
1: Not like now.
0: Yeah, it's uh, as usual, women's wrestling having to mix legitimate uh, wrestling fan money with pervert money. And you do see a lot of these wrestlers being advertised as like 18, 19, because honestly, I feel like it was to show their youth and ability almost as a prodigy type of thing. And also, I hate inferring this. But it was to say, see, she's not yet old enough to where she should be settled down as a wife with children.
1: So I was actually going to make that comment uh, before you said that bit is I think that's a big part of it for the time was uh, if you were over what, like t- mid 20s or in your mid 20s, like you were basically a spinster. Which becomes incredibly unattractive, I guess, Uh
0: Yeah, it's like, a 25-year-old single woman with no children? What is she, a monster?
1: (laughs) She's definitely going to hell. Uh, Yeah, so I think that was part of it, too, is there's just such a stigma attached to, uh, you know, being over the age of 20 and uh, not uh, being, you know, popping out babies and uh, being married.
0: Well, instead of popping out babies, she was popping people over the uh, the finish line. I don't know how they... There was no wrestling ring, so you're throwing people off the mat. She's oh,
1: popping people in the mouth.
0: Oh, there we go. That's the better yeah. way to do it. I know. From the Pittsburgh Daily Post on September 30th, Cora failed to throw Miss Bertha Smith in 10 minutes. Quote, the match was closely contested throughout and was frequently punctuated by hair pulling and other rough tactics. The champion was hissed several times for unusually rough work. From the October 6th Louisville, Kentucky Courier Journal, Cora would be at the Buckingham Theater for the coming week. And then on the same date from the Hawaiian star, Dick Curley, manager of Miss May Harris, challenged Cora Livingston on behalf of his client, claiming that the champion was ducking his new star. So, bill drama she's traveling all over she's you know the it was a hawaiian star article but this wasn't in hawaii it's just where i found the article i was gonna ask but yeah cora is traveling all up and down the the eastern uh, coast of the united states new england over to philly down to boston and then you have these new stars popping up with their with their mouthpieces saying oh well cora's up." you know, again, a paper tiger. She is a fraud if she does not face my champion over here. So we are getting into the point where now we have manager mouthpieces. We have kind of the Yale timey Paul Heyman types who are doing a great job using their uh, masculine aggression point in, uh, in society to be able to mouth off about how I have this killer over here and it's, you know, some five foot six hundred and ten pound woman who will pull your arms off but they are hyping them up as killers. It's not just like, you know, it's not like the Attitude Era. It's not brawn, panty matches. It's not like, oh, it's now time for the ladies match. It's they're being presented on equal footing as ass kickers with managers hyping them up as monsters.
1: Yeah, exactly, which is amazing. And I, I think we got into that quite a bit in the last episode about how it was really nice to watch women being billed as, equals to men and or being the draw
0: from the Cincinnati Enquirer on October 12th, 1908. She was at the people's theater that week, but only a $10 forfeit to anyone who could last 10 minutes with her stating that any woman who wants to compete can give their name to the management. And if you think, oh, only $10. Well, again, with inflation, that's over $300 in 1908 money.
1: Yeah, that's pretty steep. Like they were making some uh some bank right there.
0: Yeah, I mean honestly, as we discussed last time, I don't believe for a second that much money was changing hands back and forth on these challenge matches considering how many of them Coral lost or quote lost to set up future matches, but the illusion, the the kayfabe of That much money does make the stakes seem very high because in pro wrestling today, because it's all company, like internal universe type shit, you don't have the like, oh, they are fighting for a purse of X amount of money like you hear in boxing or MMA and legitimate sports because it's all just inside the fantasy world of WWE, AEW, Impact, whatever. So it's never like, oh, we put together this blockbuster deal and it's gonna be for X amount. That doesn't exist in wrestling anymore, but it does hype up business for legitimate sports or fixed sports presented as legitimate sports.
1: Right, exactly. I. It's... Uh... It's interesting to see, I guess, the perspective of journalists and fans, and I guess the equivalent of what would be the dirt sheets today uh, in comparison to everything there is now. Um, It's a lot more lateral to kind of like how Japan functions, where it's not necessarily everything is kayfabe, but it's a lot closer.
0: Yeah, you don't have, like, everything's more manufactured across the board. So in Japan, you don't have the, like, oh, we're going to take a look backstage at so-and-so just being a silly goose and kind of exposing the business, even though it's an exposed business. It does keep it more kind of in-universe and show, like, training for the actual fight and that, you know, that type of thing. So they present it more as a real thing, even though in Japan it could be twice as ludicrous.
1: Yes, precisely. Really, really ludicrous in some scenarios. There's a giant panda.
0: Yeah, that's what I was going to bring up. It's like, oh, we're going to see a girl with a giant panda fight a kaiju and a superhero. Sure, why why not? Let's that. I'm I'm sold. And that match so is exa- And that match actually is amazing.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Exactly.
0: And this is where this turns into a hyper Masao uh, fan podcast. <laughs>
1: We love her. Please love us back.
0: And the Cincinnati Post on December 12th reports that she beat two local girls, Anna Armstrong and Mae Ashton. I didn't see details on the time, but that was another common thing with this type of thing where it's not just exciting enough to beat one woman in 10 minutes. It's I will beat two in 10 minutes or two in 15 minutes, where it just it shows it's a squash match. It's trying to make a competitive example as a squash match. It's no different than Brock Lesnar coming out and murking somebody in 30 seconds. On October 18th, the Cincinnati Enquirer disqualified. Cora Livingston lost wrestling match to Miss Smith. Quote, the wrestling match to a finish between Cora Livingston, the woman champion, and Miss A. Smith at People's Theater was won by the latter after 14 minutes of rough work the champion being disqualified for foul tactics. The bout was hotly contested throughout, and both contestants were anything but gentle in their manner of going after holds. Miss Livingston was cautioned by the referee for using mod tactics and lost through using the stranglehold after being warned.
1: So, did she lose her belt?
0: No, that's the thing. Like, disqualifications with this type of thing were never to where there would never be title changes so dqs would not change the title much like in you know contemporary wrestling so the disqualification was just you know keeping her looking vulnerable so people because if somebody comes out and they're a heel and they just win 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 win, well that doesn't create the same heat as disqualifications and dirty finishes
1: right so, which cora loved
0: Yeah, so when she's getting disqualified for strangling and hair pulling and eye gouging, that just pisses everybody off. But it's like an unsatisfied emotional moment for the audience because Cora lost. She was disqualified. But that dirty, dirty so-and-so gets to maintain her championship, still has her title. Gosh darn it. You're right, she should get a rematch against Cora, and she'll beat her clean next time. By golly, I will pay another dollar to see that. But will she? From the Buffalo Times on October 21st, 1908. Admits that she gets mad. Female wrestler of Buffalo can't remain calm when face is being scratched.
1: (laughs) Wow, what an irrational reaction.
0: Quote, do I ever lose my temper? Well, I am a woman, and did you ever know a woman that did not lose her temper? Yes. Sometimes um, that's I'm why from-
1: we can't be president.
0: Yes, sometimes I get so mad I just want to, well, do a lot of things. That's what Cora Livingston of Buffalo, the female wrestler who is meeting all comers of her sex at Cleveland Theater, said to a reporter for the Cleveland Plain Dealer yesterday. The question was suggested by the fact that Miss Livingston seemingly lost her temper in a bout with Miss Henry, her wrestling partner. During the progress of the afternoon bout, Miss Henry's heel came in contact with Miss Livingston's pretty jaw, it being a jolt that was heard across the footlights. Stopping a few seconds to rub the sore spot, Miss Livingston went at her adversary with renewed vigor, and one of the roughest matches ever seen at the star followed. Miss Henry is an adept at the use of her hands, pawing at her opponent's face and escaping from a dangerous hold and it was well that her nails were cut short otherwise miss livingston's features would have looked like a may of the balkan troubles the balkan's troubles implying the horrific early outbreaks of what turned into world war one after Franz ferdinand was assassinated little extra history right there but yes wow little nice little uh
1: well i'd say pop culture but i guess political geopolitical reference for us look at that that's uh that's some spicy journalism
0: and i i love the kind of visual i have because i put it into modern wrestling turns where it's kind of a clean wrestling match and then boom a shot to livingston's face crowd oh livingston stop looks to hard cam looks to the crowd is touching her face t- looks at her hand to make sure there's no blood looks at her opponent and it's on and they just go and then beats at each other. the shit out of her. Yeah. yeah, so I kind of I put it in more cinematic terms. I don't know how well it was presented that way. Probably fairly close. It is a vaudeville hall after all. Cora Livingston stated that quote, "A woman in my position must keep cool or quit the business. It would make any woman mad at times to have another scratch up her face. Then I have had others try to bite me." She made excuses for being flustered by the audience yelling, and the difficulty of pinning her smaller opponent for why she resorted to rough tactics and was booed by the crowd.
1: That seems reasonable.
0: Yeah, I love her poor me demeanor when she's interviewed because I, it's so wonderfully calculated to make people even matter at her. Because, you know, she comes out there, she's pulling hair, scratching, strangling, getting disqualified, and then she's like, I don't know, like, poor me, you know what? I was just out there trying to have a nice wrestling match. I was, I was just so overwhelmed. Yeah, I you know what? I was you know, I was having trouble with my much smaller opponent and then she poked me in the eye and that's why I choked her until her eyes popped out. I you know, I I shouldn't have done it, but I feel it was the reasonable thing. Would you have done any yeah. less? Yeah. Poor Cora. Poor, poor Cora. From November 2nd, an advertisement for the Avenue in Detroit, the home of burlesque. Cora Livingston, champion female wrestler of the world, $25 to anyone she fails to throw in 10 minutes. Next week, Yankee Doodle Girls. I assume that's uh,
1: (laughs) probably a musical act, not a tag team. Is that like the original original or the American edition of the
0: Up Up Girls? Ooh, that would be phenomenal. Uh, Yeah, that's the one thing I love with the burlesque and vaudeville advertisements, because it's like... Women's wrestling, blah 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 blah. Next week, the Silly Gooseathon. It's like what, huh? Oh. <laughs> if if I ever had a t- if I ever stumble across a time machine, I want to go back to like the early 1900s, late 1800s, and just go to these crazy vaudeville venues where every single night of the week there's a matinee and an evening show, and it's just 15 flavors of wacky.
1: Oh yeah, you'd fit right in, and you could wear a fun hat. I bet.
0: Ooh, that is true.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: From the Boston Globe on January 3rd, 1909, Cora Livingston and the Rollickers combination bill. Cora Livingston at the Howard the following night, along with the Rollickers, who quote, comprise a chorus of showgirls and a number of capable comedians. So again, you get brutal women's wrestling to make everybody mad, which is led into by uh, musical numbers and comedy. Really sets the tone. A proper ad in the same paper had a nice photo of her, arms folded and scowling, declaring her, quote, standing ready to meet all comers in a grapple fest. Quote, the girl with a velvety figure, blue eyes, and a grip that holds you to it. Can she wrestle? Well, we should say that she can. Just think of it, boys. Here's a tight exhibitor who weighs only 135 pounds and yet can throw them all away in short order. She sounds nice and i'll put you'll probably see these photos of her that i'm referencing on the instagram facebook twitter yes i'm still going to call it twitter forever and it is funny with the the blue eyes and the velvety figure and it's like cora was you know she was a, she wasn't like a some hideous creature but she was <laughs> she was not presented for sex appeal in any way whatsoever no.
1: Not at all.
0: She was a 135 pound woman with a stern demeanor folding her arms. She wasn't made up. She didn't have on her lashes. She's going there to whoop some ass. So again, it's just, it's weird, but it's understandable for the time as to why they're like, yes, she can grapple and whoop your ass, but wait till you get a look at her figure, boys.
1: And, And that's the thing is like, so if you look at her in not to judge women by their appearance, Jesus. Okay. But. If you look at her in comparison to Mildred Burke, who is talked about more so, uh, Mildred B- Burke, you look at pictures and she's, she's all dolled up. She's got, I know she's got, I think it's one of the, like the NWA champ belt picture. And she's got her hair all curled and she's in some cute little lacy onesie thing. Um, she like, she's still jacked and everything and looks like she could throw down. But then you like look up Cora Livingston and Cora Livingston looks like she is ready to fucking beat ass. Like Cora Livingston is low key terrifying, gorgeous, but terrifying.
0: Yeah, because the the look of the Mildred Burke, Billy Wolf troupe in the late 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s women's wrestling in that Billy Wolf's idea of the presentation of women's wrestling was to mirror the kind of the new glamour look of Hollywood.
1: Yeah, so, it was very, it was very early Hollywood.
0: Yeah. So it was like, everybody has to be bottle blonde or, you know, pitch black hair. It has to be done up and be wearing, you know bejeweled and wearing these glamorous looking outfits it's like i i've posted it before i'll send it to you later there is a great photo of may young from the 40s that i have where she is just scowling she has short black hair she's dressed very much like cora would look may young in this photo looked like if I was going to shoot like a 1970s exploitation biker film about like a lesbian biker gang that was fucking everybody up. Mae Young would have been cast as the leader of that biker gang (laughs) from that photo. She looks she she's just mean looking, short black hair, just ready to fucking go. And then you see her later on under the Billy Wolf tutelage where she's bottle blonde, dressing very glamorously, still wrestling the same way she did back then, but with that Pseudo Hollywood presentation, but in 1908, 1909, you didn't really see that type of thing, so it was just a different aesthetic, it was a different purpose. You weren't trying to make them look like movie stars, you were trying to present her as a back alley brawler and an in ring killer. And actually, continuing the same article, wanted the whereabouts of olga nelson the boston girl who stood miss livingston's gaff when that lady was here last year if the nelson skirt is in town yes they called her that nelson skirt if the nelson skirt is in town she can clean up a bit of change by calling at the howard and issuing a challenge Cora is a bit sore over her stand last season and says if the nelson girl shows up she will make her look like a piece of counterfeit coin If any Howard patron knows the address of Olga Nelson, he will confer a favor on the management by sending it to us. What a way to see drama into the show announcement. I wish I could have found more info on it or if Olga showed up or not. And also from the ad, in case you were wondering, smoking is allowed at the shows. But how is that for a call out? It's not just like, hey, if... If so-and-so is listening, I want a rematch. I want a piece of you. It's literally, if anyone knows where she lives, (laughs) give us her address.
1: Oh, my God. Can someone, and by someone, shit, I just need to do this. Uh, There needs to be more people taking out fucking articles or like classifieds or like, you know, like the lost dog type fucking flyer with the little tabs with the numbers that you take. More promos, man. It's great. That's going to be how I start advertising. Although, I don't know how how well you can get away with putting have you seen this piece of shit coward on a flyer that you you post around town. One way to find out.
0: And from the Buffalo commercial on January 19th, 1909, Miss Livingston having a hard time. Quote, At the Lafayette Theatre yesterday afternoon, Cora Livingston opened her week's engagement of meeting comers by tackling Frida Hinnitz of this city, whom she failed to down within the time limit, much to the satisfaction of the audience, which was not in sympathy with the champion on account of her rough tactics. Tonight, Livingston will give Mrs. Chris Moskell, wife of the strongman and weightlifter herself, a chance to win the forfeit of $50. Last night, Lou Harris went on the mat with Livingston to win the $50. The women roughed it, and at one time, Harris had Livingston dangling over the footlights, and when time was called, the referee had to separate them. Again, what a great way to fire up the crowd. You have the champion being booed and hated. You have her literally being like dangled over the edge of the stage, The <laughs> brawl, a brawl breaking out at the end of the time limit, the referee having to break them up what like like what presentation what pageantry what drama what just kind of lunatic violence way to sell tickets
1: sounds nice it sounds like a good time and it's just good marketing it is really good marketing
0: yeah because you had to sell women's wrestling almost an, in freak show terms at this time Because people would come to see, gosh, Hackenschmidt, Jenkins, McLeod, guys like that in these scenarios, and most of the time those challenge matches were legitimate. But again, there really wasn't a huge national roster of women's wrestlers, and a lot of them were on the circus circuit, so they weren't exactly easy to transport here and there, so you did seem to have these internal troops, you would have to have the opponents you know maybe three of them total per city and you had to resort to firing people up creating emotional reactions that were quite negative but still passionate because they were having to sell tickets every night of the week sometimes twice a day
1: yeah makes you feel ridiculous about having to fill a theater like once a month or something
0: you know (laughs) yeah like most wrestling promoters today are running once a month and yeah, yeah, and and working their asses off to do that, let alone being like, Oh, we have to sell 400 tickets every single night. I mean, <laughs> it's a different culture because you don't have television in the mix. You don't have the internet, you don't even have radio at this point. So it is a different world of trying to get people to come out and spend a dollar to watch a live show because what the fuck else are you going to do? Right.
1: But uh, again, even so, it's it's wild.
0: From the Buffalo Inquirer on January 22nd, 1909, Frida Heinitz gets a rematch against Livingston, having won the money once already. Quote, Miss Livingston is anxious to let her know that she cannot win again. Last night, Kate Bruner of Ebenezer went on for the forfeit money and lost in six minutes and 30 seconds. So... I like how they seed it, where Livingston will lose a hyper-violent challenge match, either via time limit or via disqualification, and then they set up a rematch the next week, and then it's in the middle. It's Livingston beating girls, you know, six minutes, seven minutes, but then it's kind of that rematch is hanging over her head. It's kind of like bridging pay-per-view to pay-per-view. I was going to say... It's great killing.
1: fucking storytelling.
0: Yeah. yeah, but it's like, yeah, it's like bridging You're the rivalry. keeping her hot. Yeah, it's bridging the rivalry to pay-per-view to pay-per-view, but on television every week, she has to kill somebody to build up her image. So, yes, they did amazing long-term storytelling. Every time she was in a different town for sometimes two to three weeks, they would have that formula ready to go, and it worked every time. Elmira, New York, Star Gazette, Tuesday, February 23rd, 1909, the West Junction Hotel manager, Harry Wheeler, has arranged a match between Lou Harris and Lottie Oliver, with the winner set to meet Cora. Lottie Oliver is another wrestler we'll hear a bit about throughout this story. She was another one of those teenage prodigy type of woman wrestlers. She was a high school age and out there just twisting arms and necks and making a name for herself. And... Her, she was really a hot up-and-comer, and we do see now all other women wrestling stars, the important matches are being done in context of who gets to meet Cora.
1: You want to be the man, you got to beat the man, is what I hear.
0: Pretty much. From the Buffalo Times, April 29th, 1909, back to the Lafayette, where Miss May Menzi, who is described as, quote, one of the best women mat artists in the business, but has done very little wrestling in public. It was only after much persuasion that she consented to meet Miss Cora Livingston, who has claimed the championship for years. The bout will be put on in conjunction with the regular performances. The Buffalo commercial covered the same story, naming her Mae McKenzie instead, but you know what? What's in a name? But the Buffalo choir kept calling her Mae Kenzie, who won? I don't know. I assume Cora, but I found nothing. Again, it's the Dark Age conundrum where these were not hugely nationally important matches, so they would only appear in the regional newspapers, and sometimes those are missing, or sometimes it was probably... It's, it's
1: kind of like if your match does or does not show up on Cage Match.
0: Exactly. Because sometimes, you know, it just would only appear in the Buffalo paper. And sometimes there might've been a bigger sports news piece to report on in Buffalo. And then that one match doesn't get mentioned and therefore we have no conclusion factually wise for a rivalry blow off. But by the virtue that Cora continued to be listed as champion, I'm gonna guess it was either a proper finish or a DQ finish due to her strangling and being a monster. And then we do see a sizable gap in her appearances, and there's a couple of reasons for why this could be or isn't be. Could be, you know, she just needed some time off. She'd been working nonstop for years. Maybe she was hurt, or another bit of possibly just rumoring. From the Detroit Times on January 4th, 1910, quote, Detroiters will be interested to hear of the return to the stage of Cora Livingston, the champion woman wrestler. Miss Livingston has been missed this season for a very interesting cause. In private life, she's happily married and, not long ago, found it necessary to be present at an event in which a new member of the family made its appearance, and her rivals are wondering if she can come back. So they're implying that she got married and had a kid, and you know what, sometimes that does explain why somebody was gone for nearly a year from the wrestling business. What
1: what a flowery way to put that.
0: Yeah, and I and it is you know very interesting that they say, boy, not a lot of people were sure she'd be coming back because, hey, especially in 1909, 1910, once a kid's involved and I don't care how much of a circus, carnival, goofball, vaudeville, burlesque family you have, having a kid and if you're not just like taking it on the road constantly, a lot of time implies somebody has to stay home with a thing. They don't do well left unsupervised. I've seen a lot of true, I listen to a lot of true crime podcasts, so I can verify.
1: (laughs) Yeah, you can't just, you can't just kennel one of those like a dog or a a cat, apparently.
0: From January 7th, 1910, the Minneapolis Star Tribune. Refereeing tough job. Boxer Bat Masterson, quote, has been mentioned as a possible referee for the Jeffries-Johnson fight. And while that will be a tough job, it is not likely to be any more thankless than the task of refereeing the wrestling match between Cora Livingston, the woman champion, and Miss Powers and Miss Olson, whom she will meet tonight. In the same paper, quote, gotch best ever, says Miss Cora Livingston, woman wrestling champion is great admirer of Big Grappler. She doesn't think Zabisco is fast enough for Iowa farmer. Article states that she is in St. Paul and will wrestle Louise Harris to a finish for a purse of $150 the following night. Oh shit,
1: that's a lot of money.
0: That's a lot of money in those days. So yeah, so that's about 4,500 to 5K right there. So yeah, that's quite a bit. So all in one go from the Minneapolis, we have Bat Masterson, famous boxer, writer, he was was a big sports celebrity in that time. He was listed as a possible referee for the Jim Jeffries Jack Johnson fight, the fight of a century, the Great White Hope. Um, I covered that in detail in my Tom Jenkins series. It was pretty much Jack Johnson managed to become the first heavyweight black champion in America. White people did not like that. They got the undefeated Jeffries, who ducked Johnson for the back half of his career, to come out of retirement to fight for the essentially white cause, to reestablish white supremacy in boxing against Johnson. Very explosive situation, culturally and athletically. It ended with... Jim Jeffries getting the absolute brakes beaten off of him by Jack Johnson, and his corner throwing in the towel to stop him not only from getting KO'd but being KO'd by a black man. And you think about just the amount of press and heat, just in general, in the culture that that boxing match happened. And he was saying that's just as bad, and just as wild, and just as dangerous as refereeing a match with Cora Livingston. <laughs> I love her. And again, we have to tie it into Gotch because everything has to be tied into Gotch. Gotch was like Mike Tyson at his height, Hulk Hogan at his height. He was a huge sports star, one of the biggest stars in America. He made wrestling as big as it possibly could be in the culture <laughs> under that time. And of course, Livingston has to provide her admiration for him to, to tie her name to his in the paper with her opinion about how Stanislaw Zabisco is just not fast enough to handle Gotch. And a sidebar, and I've mentioned that match many times in the past. This was one of my favorite finishes in a match it was Gotch and Zabisco because it was two out of three. And one of the falls, the very first one, was match started. Gotch put his hand out for a handshake. And when Zabisco went to shake his hand, Gotch shot under him for a double leg, took him down for a quick pin. Amazing. And probably a work, you know, almost certainly a work. But imagine the crowd reaction when Gotch does that to like the big Polish heel who just throws a temper tantrum.
1: Uh, Yeah, huge, insane, perfect.
0: And they continue to hype in the minneapolis star tribune this time on the eighth cora livingston versus louise harris to a finish for hundred and fifty dollars and again especially for a women's sport that is a huge amount of money for a theater or vaudeville something where they would draw a few thousand people but when you make the stakes hundred and fifty dollars that adds a certain emphasis to the importance of the match because it's not a $25 challenge or a $50 challenge. This is a, they will wrestle to a finish and somebody is walking away with $150. Yeah, it,
1: it makes it feel more high stakes and like more of a, uh, uh, like a trophy or like like a big boxing match or something. It, yeah, it adds legitimacy as opposed to just it seem, seeming like another carnival event.
0: And how did the match go? January 9th, 1910, Minneapolis Star Tribune. Cora Livingston beaten. woman wrestling champion, loses match for rough work. Shocking, I know, but Cora was disqualified against Louise Harris after 11 minutes for using a stranglehold. Quote, the referee was chosen from the audience at the Dewey Theater where the match was held. And I have so many questions about that to begin with that did they legitimately do a, all right, it's like, is there a doctor in the house? Is there a referee in the house? Like, yes. Like, like, were wrestling rules just so commonly known they could pull a man from the crowd? I assume it was a plant. I know that they didn't wear stripes in those days. No, it was a man. But it would be hilarious. Like, is there a referee in the house? And a man stands up wearing the the black and white stripes. I'm a referee. Well, get up here. We got a job for you.
1: Yes. Well, no, it has to be like every fucking Clark Kent thing ever where he like takes his shirt off and then there's a ref shirt underneath.
0: Oh, there we go. Yeah. The article described the match quote, For the first few minutes, the female grapplers wrestled carefully, but lost their heads after a time, and rough work was very apparent. On January 9th, 1910, Bat Masterston wrote a piece that I found in the San Francisco call about what he's been up to, and told the story of refereeing a night of wrestling in Minneapolis where Cora Livingston had to throw three women in 15 minutes and accomplish the task in only 13. So again, we have pretty much the most listened to, well, as far as like appreciated, as he, they weren't listening to him, they were reading him, but one of the most prestigious men in combat sports who was writing about what he was up to, putting over Cora Livingston as being such a badass that she beat three women in 13 minutes. Which, I mean, as a presentation, as an accomplishment in just context of wrestling, is a phenomenal way to show what a badass she was. But it's definitely layered with a press reaction when somebody like Bat Masterson is putting her over as this being an incredible athlete doing an incredible thing. From the january 11th, 1910 detroit free press strenuous life just suits her to prove which she wins twice in single siege of wrestling it's kind of a a woman can wrestle kind of article quote, not wow <laughs> quote some people say that it's unwomanly she said last evening as she waited to go on with her opponent quote but i don't think so Women are playing basketball and bowling and gym exercises and have just as much a right to wrestle, getting an exercise that is much better than any of those I have named. Anyway, I am going to keep on wrestling, and I won't be satisfied until I have beaten everybody who has a chance to dispute my title. It was advertised that, quote, tonight will be the match of the week when Miss Livingston and Benny's Clocks Unknown will hook up for the third time in a match to a finish. Twice before, these damsels have met, and both times, the unknown has succeeded in taking down the money. Finally, the champion admitted that she could not throw her opponent in the allotted time and wished to make the bout a finish affair, which was agreed to.
1: Oh, up in the stakes.
0: You know, again, it's just kind of her boilerplate plan. Person comes in, they win. Time limit, longer time limit, win again. Okay, but can you win to a finish? And either it's a clean win on chorus part, a dirty win on chorus part, or seemingly preferred by her, a disqualification.
1: Gotta keep them guessing.
0: From the January 22nd, 1910 Kansas City Star, an advertisement for her at the Century Theater for the Sam T. Jack Company. There was a production of Midnight Spree and Girls in Girlland. Extra, extra, Cora Livingston. She forfeits $25 to any woman opponent who she fails to throw on the wrestling mat in 10 minutes. Next week, the Frolicsome Lambs. Yeah. A nice
1: contrast. A nice array of delights for your viewing pleasure, I
0: suppose. January 25th, 1910, Kansas City Times. Cora lost a handicap match when Frida Ritchie, sister of strongman Al Ritchie, who was performing at the Hippodrome, lasted 10 minutes time limit and pocketed the $25. Quote, such hair pulling, scratching, gouging, and biting was never seen before in a match in Kansas City. Oscar Matthews battling Masterson, bad Masterson, was the referee and did all that was possible to make the bout a ladylike one. But his efforts were unavailing. The women will have a 15 minute go at the Century Wednesday night. yee On January 26 1910, the Hutchington Gazette with, sure they disagree. The night before, Cora and Frida had another handicap match Ending in Frida being DQ'd by referee Bat Masterson when Al Ritchie, who was managing his sister, stepped on the mat and called time, which, not how you win things. You don't just call it and expect the best. But I do <laughs> love the drama of we had a her, she outlasted the time limit, and now she was doing well, but her more famous circus strongman brother walked onto the mat and said no 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 they, he's last at the time i don't care what the time person and the referee has said you know something manifesting it think it be it it's like he read the secret and that was on I, his I, board. I, I,
1: I, oh i was just gonna say that you're too quick to the punch today I'm like i won't interrupt you to make this joke and you know what joke's on me
0: which is shocking that you would hesitate to interrupt me you've never done that before
1: <laughs> I'm, I'm working on it. It's a work in progress.
0: From the January 27th Kansas City Times, shocking news, Frida Ritchie outlasted Cora for 15 minutes for the $50, quote, although the match was rough, referee Oscar Matthew battling Masterson did all that was possible to make it genteel. The two women will meet to a finish match at the Century next Saturday night for a purse of $200. Oh shit! Small market indie promoters, take notes. This is how you build a feud. You have a celebrity manager almost for the the one person. You have the champion. You have them outlast a a match that was not a title affair, and then the celebrity strongman brother manager steps in and interferes and leads to a dq and now they're back at it again and things are just being escalated and escalated and escalated and now it's going to the final blow off with a huge money purse on the line that's about six thousand dollars plus in those days and of course i could not find any articles covering the final match the blow off to the feud that's the frustrating part, once again, of researching something like this.
1: It's like trying to get a, the results on a PWG show. Ah. <laughs> Good one, Heidi.
0: Hell yeah. From the St. Louis Star and Times, January thirty first, nineteen ten. May Manning, quote: "Who needed the dough and looked strong enough to throw Frank Gotch? Separated the Livingston bunch from twenty five dollars yesterday." And I love the way they posit that to make Mae Manning sound like she's like the the ringer. The, you know, yeah. she's the one pulling the fast one. Cora's management was very vocal about not liking to pay up after the match. Quote, he separated himself from the fives just as willingly as I would hand you my right eye. The pair tie up again Wednesday night. Cora asking that the limit be set at 15 minutes. By that time, Manning will be ready to tackle the champion again. She will be broke buying porterhouse steaks, the french fries, and oh well, you know. And actually, I don't know. I don't know what the, (laughs) the you know with a wink. Like, what is the, what is the forbidden hinted upon? (laughs) Like, she's she's spending her money on steaks, french fries, and oh well, you know.
1: Like, (laughs) is that, and cocaine.
0: Yeah, like, bring me your finest morphine. (laughs)
1: Yeah. yeah, I'm like, which, which of the drugs was still legal or not, you know, well, was, what, could you not get over the counter at that Yeah, time? it's like,
0: she spent her money on laudanum. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Who would it be in
0: 1908? And this was one I did find fairly interesting. It was from the St. Louis Star and Times, February 2nd, 1910, reporting that Livingston defeated Bessie McCabe at the Standard Theatre, that's the name of the theater, not just describing as mediocrity. Quote, after nine minutes of interesting wrestling by a half Nelson. And next to this article was a photo of Cora flexing, taken from behind. Um, so it showed her like wearing almost like a bathing suit thing. So you saw her bare back from like her lower back up. Back to the camera, doing like the, the double arm flex to show off just how muscular her back was. And that just seems intensely saucy for nineteen ten to show that much woman skin in the newspaper. Like I just, I just assume that there were housewives fainting after seeing this. And team- woman's woman skin—that's
1: my favorite takeaway from that entire sentence—is the uh, you saying the phrase woman skin. It's horrifying.
0: Yeah, you know, woman skin. It's uh, it's, it's yeah. like what, what did they find in Ed Gein's house? <laughs> woman skin think about how what bathing suits looked like at this time so yeah her showing off that much uh that much just naked naked her like that's something i guarantee you like teenage boys were like ripping that out of the paper and putting in their pockets for later use
1: yeah that's that's one for the fucking archives, right there
0: and the feud with Miss Manning continues on February 3rd, 1910, from the St. Louis Post Dispatch. Cora failed to throw Miss Mae Manning of St. Louis in the 15 minutes, thus forfeiting the $50. And it continues on the 6th, the St. Louis Star and Times, a rematch with Miss Manning ended the night before with a disqualification when Livingston applied a stranglehold. Quote, Miss Livingston got her opponent with one inch of a fall. This seemed to disgust her so that she got the foul hold and insisting on holding it, Mr. Neese declared the match forfeit to Miss Manning. The house was full with standing room at a premium and everyone there cheering for the local girl. The Lexington Herald claimed that, quote, Miss Manning was awarded the decision after 22 minutes of wrestling on a foul, and according to the St. Louis Post-Dispatch, Manning was awarded hundred dollars. So, again, it's it's that that formula. And also, do you every time you hear about, like, say Miss Manning, do you wonder how many times we have mentioned the same person under a different name?
1: Yeah, like you have to because that's one thing we focused on, like with all of these episodes, is that. They're just running different towns, and we're just changing names. So, yeah. How many of these are the same women? Damn
0: it. And some, like I do with Miss Manning, she was an established star. You know, it was a little bit of a red herring in my loaded question. But this is something we start seeing becoming almost a problem overall because of how Livingston was doing all of her matches and all of her finishes. Because later on, from the February 9th, 1910, Evansville Courier and Press, May Manning was in St. Louis, claiming to be the world's champion wrestler due to the DQ win over Cora. So that's something we start seeing You'll more and more, is other women are calling themselves champion or saying they might as well be champion. They are essentially champions because they beat Cora either through a time limit, draw for the forfeit or through a disqualification and they're using that to boost up these other women who have had matches with cora
1: or maybe you know to tie this back into the secret maybe they're just manifesting
0: you know think it be it i i I like our little our new little theme on this is like if you just want something hard enough fake it till you make it
1: just just go for it it, guys what what could go wrong
0: from the February 9th, 1910, Indianapolis News. Another match against Bessie Hastings, with Hastings having outlasted her the night before in a 10-minute match to win the prize. Hastings, who is accompanied by her brother, faces Livingston in a 15-minute rematch. So I do love the. You know, we like we discussed earlier. I love the concept of having the 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 trainer brother or the strongman brother or the wrestler brother being kind of like a manager slash enforcer at a vaudeville hall wrestling match
1: yeah it's phenomenal
0: and from the daily news democrat on the 11th female champion had heart tussle hastings won the 15 minute match by lasting to the bell the night before livingston challenged her to to a finish match which would take place that night. And a weird addendum to that article it was investigated by the Humane Society that Cora was only 17, but they discovered she was really 22.
1: Gasp. Gas. Okay, first off, can we discuss that the Humane Society is like human rights and not like animal services here?
0: Yeah, I mean that is the that is one thing to bring up. This wasn't this wasn't Sally That's the volunteer funny. at the dog kennel doing some amateur sleuthing. <laughs>
1: <laughs> She's this. got her fucking magnifying glass and
0: everything. And like I wonder what the onus was to do that. Like, was somebody thinking that like a teen girl was being trafficked across state lines and, and so let's would be-, be honest.
1: No, yeah, like no one gave a fuck about that then.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, like, I want to know, like, was what was the what was the motivation behind that? It was like, is somebody exploiting a teenager for labor? Who the fuck wasn't?
1: <laughs> yeah, that's that's perfectly normal and healthy and and of the times. Yeah, I, I'm I'm really curious what the impetus was here to uh, do a little digging, and like, and the fact that that was so sensational
0: that he's 22 oh maybe it was like an employee with a crush doing like the yay old version of facebook stalking yeah who knows
1: yeah who knows she's like or or whoever the investigative journalist was sorry humane society uh member was at this time was like combing through all these articles, just like you being like, how many years has this bitch been 17?
0: It's like the yay old version of like, when you see a WWE or like, even like an ECW or WCW legend, who's on a poster for a contemporary indie show. And it's a 25 year old promo photo.
1: Yes, yes. And uh, just like any other time that promoters like to use the 25 year old promo photo of oneself. Lucha Promotions I'm looking at you.
0: From the Indianapolis News, February 11th, 1910, in a finish match, women grapplers will meet on a mat at Empire tonight, promoting Livingston versus Bessie Hastings, claiming that Livingston's manager will Hoa put up a $50 bet with Miss Hastings' brother. So you have the the manager men like Doing promos and declaring side bets and upping the stakes outside of just what was going to happen on the mat. And what happened? From the February 12th, 1910 Indianapolis Star, Bessie Hastings wins from women champion. Cora Livingston is disqualified for attempting to use stranglehold in wrestling match. Another story of an opponent being a much better wrestler than she was, so Livingston began roughing her up. Quote, Miss Livingston says she will not meet Miss Hastings again. So, yeah, again, we have a feud boiling over, boiling over, boiling over. And where does it end with Cora just being out wrestled and choking the shit out of a woman?
1: I love that. So, I think um, something you should add for our uh, next round on this podcast or one of our subsequent episodes is you should do a, it's not going to be a win-loss draw tally. It'd be a win-loss uh, DQ tally of how many times Cora has been DQ'd by choking the ever-living shit out of somebody versus just winning or going to a time limit
0: draw. Yeah, I, I would love to have an exact stat on that because nearly every important match that I find of hers is a DQ loss. You know, a heck of a way to hang on to the title indefinitely.
1: Yeah, hey, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Let's start taking pages out of Cora's book. Well, going into a- business for myself.
0: Well, here's a fun one. You really can't take a page from this book anymore based on how wrestling is presented, and this is kind of the final stop on this episode, but what a way to finish things up. February 12th, 1910, from the Indiana Star. Lady Wrestler loses to mere police officer. Lieutenant thinks world champion's work is brutal and stops performance. The great Cora Livingston, champion lady wrestler of the world, booked as a star attraction this week at the Empire Theater, went down in defeat last night and before a man, a mere man, he was Lieutenant John Corrigan of the police, who didn't even doff his overcoat for the fray. He stood on the Empire stage and looked at the tangle of tights, hammer locks, and disordered locks that marked the spot where the great Korra battled. Then he said, this is enough. It's brutal. The burly young manager of one of the contestants entered a demure. Wasn't you ever at a wrestling match before? He asked. <laughs> and yes, it was a, It was like, wasn't ya w y e h wrestling match? Yes, yes, I have been to a wrestling match. This isn't it. Cut it out. Lieutenant Corrigan said he didn't have any orders from Superintendent Highland. Quote, I dropped in at the place and watched for for a minute. Then I knew I was going to stop it, and I did. It was brutal. That's all.
1: So Cora Livingston fucking fabed a cop. I love that.
0: Yeah, she, she was putting on a match so brutal that a police officer who wasn't even there in his official capacity was like, I'm stopping this in the name of the law. <laughs> the Huntington, oh, I would not- love to
1: see that. I would love to see that on an episode of fucking
0: Cops. <laughs> From the Huntington, Indiana Herald on February 14th, police put stopped a female wrestling bout. Quote, Lieutenant John Corrigan dropped into the Empire Theater Friday in time to see two women in a wrestling match on the stage. It appeared vulgar and brutal to him, and Corrigan finally ordered the contestants to, quote, cut it out. Dave (laughs) Coulier style, maybe? (laughs) Cut it out. Probably not. Uh, He turned a deaf ear to the protests of the manager as the bout was the last number. The great crowd in the place passed out. The company at the Empire included Cora Livingston, who claims to be the champion female wrestler. Cora was struggling with another woman when Corrigan interfered. And from the late country times on February 14th, 1910, defeated by mere man. Sarcastically covering the event at the Empire Theatre, where a mere man defeated Cora without even taking off his coat. The man was a police officer who stopped the match for being too brutal.
1: Um, hey look maybe Cora Livingston just has a great respect for the law and it wasn't that she was taken down by a mere man
0: guys whether this was a worked police stoppage because I mean that's a brilliant marketing thing and we will talk about that because this sort of thing does start happening a lot or if it was legitimately like a man walking in and being like women wrestling and they're being oh no stop in the name of my billy club you cannot unless you did buy it you can't buy publicity like that there is nothing hotter to make you look like a menace a threat a psychopath something that has to be trotted out in a cage like a circus animal than the police stopping your pro wrestling match, your pro wrestling match for being too brutal.
1: It's so much to live up to.
0: Yeah, she sets a standard because this is something you do see in the 20s where you would see the heel or the baby face even like being arrested after the match and then the tr- charges dropped or it was cleared up here and, I didn't really find that in men's wrestling at this time. This was something that I'm not saying Cora invented it, but it's one of the first times I really start seeing it on the national stage of a match so brutal that the cops break it up on its face value because it's women being brutal. And again, that by itself makes it the best advertisement for future ticket sales imaginable.
1: Absolutely. That's fascinating. I never really uh took that into consideration that like up till now we hadn't really discussed that outside of people talking about how brutal everything was uh but yeah obviously things start to pick up after this and yeah that's wild and if it's for a- her.
0: yeah and if it's a if it was a legitimate stoppage you know it does make sense because cora was escalating the violence of her wrestling we compared it to ECW where the way you make money and bring an audience and get a passionate following in lieu of the big money in this time and situation, the men's wrestling, the gotchas, the McClouds, the Burns, so on and so forth. If you can't be better, you have to be different. So they were different by being violent and lots of disqualifications and stranglings and outrage. And the- Coral Livingston
1: is the real ECW original
0: exactly and the only way you can escalate it from just brutality is brutality with police involvement so if it was staged brilliant if it was legitimate accidentally brilliant because it gives you the too hot for tv type of type of thing the i am banned from here so you can only see me over here and find out why i was banned
1: beautiful yeah. Yes, I love, I love it. it. I love, I love it.
0: it. And on that hot note, I feel that's a good place to press the pause button on this topic for now. Because we've covered a lot of wild stories with a very wild one to wrap things up. Time is growing short, energy is starting to drop, so we're going to put a pin in this and come back to it for the next episode. This is, again, a longer series because I wanted to go into as much detail of her career as humanly possible. How are you liking this story?
1: Yes, I love that it's continuing to escalate with how much of a fucking crazy person, and I mean this in the most complimentary way possible, Cora Livingston is, was a true delight. A
0: trailblazer and i will post as many of the photos we've described the Cora arms crossed scowling at the camera or her flexing to the camera i'll post those so you can get visual references on that and that's why you should like on facebook follow on twitter yep right it's still twitter to me uh instagram because i do like showing off the source material because it is just as wild and weird as i describe it So here we are in 1910, the police are breaking up matches. Cora Livingston's style match model is very crystallized as she is a traveling superstar, possibly a wife and a mother at this point. Hard to say. Who can say? Well, people could say they're just not here or alive. Maybe I'll get a Ouija board next time. We'll do it that way. Different podcast. This is getting... Don't,
1: Don't make promises you aren't going to follow up on.
0: And it's mostly gonna be not followed up on out of laziness, not dedication, but that is my personal model for nearly all things. So we'll be back next time with part four of the story of Cora Livingston. But until then, for Heidi Howitzer, I'm Nick Gossert. Talk to you next time. (laughs)